0: This is Philip Millman. This podcast was originally recorded November 26, 2017, but due to technical issues, life, and a f- few other random events, it wasn't made available until now. This podcast is about my experiences at the BGG Con, and I really do hope you enjoy it, and sorry for the delay. Hi, this is Philip Millman from the Generic Board Game Podcast, where we talk about all things board gaming at a fraction of the price.
1: Hi, and this is Vic from NaveCon, and um... I'm going to talk as well, possibly about gaming, but probably just about anything. Um, Listen, you've been away for a little bit. You had a a big con. Um, Want
0: to tell us a little bit of
1: this? What what was the con that you went to and make everyone jealous?
0: Sure. uh, Happy to make everyone envious. I went to the Board Game Geek Con in Dallas, Texas, which is always the weekend before Thanksgiving, the American Thanksgiving, not the Canadian one. And it is 3,000 people crammed into the Hyatt Regency at the DFW Airport. Uh, It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of gaming. And one of the best features of it is that it has a gaming library of over 3,000 games that they bring with them. They have a hot gaming area where everybody can play the hot games or what Board Game Geek determines to be the hot hot board games of the du jour. And it is extremely, it's a lot of fun. Uh, one of the negatives, of course, about being able to go there is it is capped at 3,000 people. And despite the fact that the tickets went on sale in February for a November con, they were sold out within two hours. Whoa,
1: that's incredible. 3,000 people. So you've been to a few of them, haven't you?
0: Yeah, this is my seventh in a row. Oh, wow. How does this compare to,
1: say, how long has it been going, actually? How long has
0: BGG um, I think it's been going for about 15 years, wow. and I could be wrong on that, but it's been going for somewhere between 10 and 15 years. Uh, it started very small, and now it's grown. Uh, I would say that it's outgrown the size of the facility like a lot of other cons have. Oh, yeah. And they, they are for not 2018, but for 2019... Moving to the Regency in downtown Dallas, which I believe can hold up to about five thousand people.
1: That's incredible for, and it's primarily board games, isn't it? It's it's not kind of tabletop or cards, or or is it a mix of everything?
0: It's uh, it is tabletop games, but it's it's not role playing games. It's okay. things that you would find on their board game geek library. Uh, I mean, you do have card games like diamonds, or uh, or uh, I'm trying to think of some other or. Dominion,
1: Hmm.
0: you know deck building games, but they have all sorts of games you name it They probably have it. Uh, They have just an incredible library of games that are both great and Not so great and uh, you know, and they also have some games that they've they mule over from Essen So if you don't make it to Essen, you can sometimes play games that aren't quite out in the US yet, but are available to play there, so I did play a few games um, that were Essen games that weren't uh, that are not yet available in the United States
1: okay uh, I, I wasn't stalking you or anything as, as, but uh, you, you you were there for a good while like it wasn't like a weekend affair was it
0: no uh, board game geek uh, starts on Wednesday morning at 10 a.m. and goes through Sunday about 3 p.m. with really everything tailing off at about noon um, afternoon it, it gets really quiet very quickly yeah so uh, it's um and, and and one of the traditions is uh everybody who goes there gets two, at least two games so people will clear out their stock but the best stuff is always cleans out first so what people mm-hmm. do is they get in the line uh some people the night before tuesday or like i do because i'm crazy around 4 30 in the morning <laughs> and you and, yeah, and i was like number 15 online or something like that and we play board games that we brought with us for about four hours until the line opens up and then we we rush in, grab the game that we want, grab the second game that we want, and off we go. So, the for instance, my two free games were um, uh, Among the Stars okay, nice. uh, by Al- a- Aptenia Games. And I also picked up Mars Needs Mechanics, which has a very low rating <laughs> okay. on BGGCon. But all the other games that they had for that, you know, column B type of games... Hmm. For, for anybody who has been to New York and has Chinese food, you'll understand column A and column B. Okay. Uh, so uh, for the column B, they ha- they had either Mayday games, primarily Mo Money, which is actually a very good game, mm. but I own it. Yeah. And, and since I help out at the Mayday booth, uh, fair warning, uh, if I talk about anything Mayday, I do uh, help them out at the booth. Mm. Um, the only game that they had that wasn't a Mayday game, which I didn't own, was... Mars Needs Mechanics, which has a glorious six point one rating on BGG Con. Wow! Yeah,
1: um, <laughs> weak sauce. Anything below a seven's never good. The um, tell me, the um, just you mentioned Mayfair there. Um, well, I'm Mayday. I work sorry, for Mayday, Mayday Games. Mayday. The um, oh, sorry, I mixed them up with Mayfair. But Mayfair were there? They're kind of on the decline, are they? Or what's happening with
0: Mayfair? Yes. So, before the con, there was a rumor going around that they were about to go bankrupt. They were going under that. Uh, and one thing that wasn't a rumor is that a lot of their senior people had been let go. Okay. So, their lead designer had been let go. Their lead game, um, I don't know what the title was. A game developer was let go. A lot of their sales people were let go. <clears throat> the booth, which is their standard booth in a prime, prime location at BGGCon, um, had a few people there. There was no. So, there was really no signage. They were not selling any games. And the only thing that they were one of the things that they did was they had an auction for one of the uh, the Ken Follett Pillow of Earth game. Mm. Uh, what a lot of people are saying is that Lookout is going to be running a lot of the Uwe Rosenberg games that are on the Mayfair, uh, in the Mayfair catalog. But it's unclear whether Lock, uh, Lookout Games is going to take out all of the catalog or keep some of it and get rid of the rest okay. it's it's but it's it's pretty clear that mayfair um is not going to be around it you know certainly once they sold the Catan franchise yep. uh their money problems only escalated so it's not it's it, it looks like this will be their last year and it, it's also of note that um you know they broke up with their relationship with uh, gamer workshop okay and if you take a look uh mayfair was on the list for the uk game expo as one of their you know senior sponsors mm-hmm. they're no long they're no longer there oh that's
1: interesting the um yeah no katana is such a big cash cow like it's it's you can bring out whatever flavor of it and, and make more money yeah uh, what was tell me this the games at bgg con what was hot there what did you really kind of struck you when you were there
0: all right, so uh, the game that was the hottest the game was the uh, game Azul um, from, I believe, Plan B Games. Oh, okay. And for it's a wonderful – I played it twice. It's really good. It's an abstract game. Uh, sort of tile-laying, and depending on where, you, how you collect the tiles and put them in, it uh, will give you points. There's a whole host of way of getting negative points, so you have to be careful not to take too many tiles. Um Basically, the way it works is you go around in, in whoever's first person order and then clockwise, and you're taking from tiles that are in these little pods, and you have to take all the tiles of the same color. So if there's three of them, you have to take all three, and then you place them on your board to be to place the right hand most one to the right when you can. Um, if you if you're forced to take more than you need. You can only place those tiles in, when you take them, you can only place them in uh, one of the rows. So there's this constant struggle because, you know, you might want to put, you know, three in one row and one in another. Well, you can't do that. You can only put them in one of the two rows. Now, if you take the same tile again in a later move, you can put it in a different row. But it it led to some really interesting decisions. Um, Really a good game. Uh, That was one of my top two new games that I played. Um, and that was the number one uh, game for. The, the, it was the number one buzz game um, at Con. Another game that got a lot of um, a lot of play. I saw a lot of. I saw a lot of tables playing Clans of Caledonia. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, a game that I own. Yeah. And I re I really like it, and it seemed that a lot of other people really liked it. There were also a lot of games of Photosynthesis going on, and Altiplano. Uh, which was in the hot games area there were two standing games of it in the hot games area that one had a lot of play
1: okay dm the, um, this it's funny because you know uh, i don't know about you but when i was growing up there was no such thing as a hot game there was you know a few games you could buy uh, and it seems that you know just like 5k races you, you can pick another new game every week that's going to come out, and uh, or you can take part in it. You know, there's there's so much kind of good stuff coming out there. The uh-huh. um, did you play anything else? Like on the uh, outside of that, I assume it was kind of gaming twenty four seven or,
0: you know, uh, yeah, it was. Well, I, I I was spending four hours a day in the booth, and the first two days, um, you know, I had some family stuff that I had to do, which kind of cut into it. Uh, i did play a lot of games i played a lot of things that i liked and i played some things that were just awful uh so and and i'm grateful i'm i'm actually grateful for the bad games because they remind me how good some of the other games are yeah so you you can't know what a good game is until you've played a really really bad one so uh, again azul uh great game uh it's a michael kiesling game I, i I can't highly recommend it enough it plays 30 to 45 minutes it has interesting choices it's a good game um to to, to sort of a, as a warm-up game if you want if you're playing a long game day and it's beautiful the the tiles are beautiful but it is an abstract game if theme is important to you play this game anyway it's really good yeah I don't... uh I, another game that was kind of my surprise um in the hot gaming area there was a game called heaven and ale and Ooh, this I Heaven and Ale is not out in the states yet. It was pre. It it was um, demoed in uh, at, in Essen. This is also another Michael Kiesling game with Andreas Schmidt. Uh, it's an Egertspiel Spiel game. I'm not sure who's bringing it to the United States. Uh, so if you're looking for it, I'm looking for it too. Uh, hopefully it will. Uh, hopefully it'll come out. Uh, I'm just not sure who's bringing it out. And and this this game is just different um it's it's kind of a rondelet game where you're going along this track and you can only go forward you can't go backwards and so when you when you when you drop down on a space you get whatever that benefit is and it's usually one of these tiles that you lay down that will have a number and a type of um uh, it could be hops it could be wheat because what you are a bunch you're running a monastery that's producing beer in germany that's That's the entire – oh, Plan B Bank Games is also going to bring out Heaven and Ale. So this was a big Plan B Games uh, con. Uh, <laughs> and what you're trying to do – and you have this shaded area and the light area. The shaded area gives you money. The light area gives you the beer. And you basically score wherever your brewmaster is, which is the multiplier, of your lowest producing resource okay and so you're constantly pushing up all your resources while trying to get your brewmaster up while trying to have enough money to do all of this plus trying to land on the spots that you want to do plus land on the scoring areas because you can't go backwards and there's only five or six rounds so everything moves very very quickly plus there are these bonuses that you get and and you have this jewish kid who doesn't drink enjoying this game <laughs> about yeah. beer making monks okay it was Phenomenal. Uh, there's a lot going on there. It's not quite a point salad in the sense of like a Feld game, and I will talk be talking about a Feld game shortly. But it was really, really good. And I was playing it, and I was doing. A, I made it for a couple rounds, but the, the, there was a guy there who's like a math PhD that I was playing against, who designs computer games for a living from mm-hmm. San Francisco, and he just wiped the floor with us. Oh, yes. But oh my god, was this a good game? This is one of those games where like. Yeah, okay. it has a 7.7 rating. Um, it's got a, a complexity rating of about 3, which is about right. Really good game. Really interesting choices. I can't recommend it enough. Um, another game, uh, then uh, some of the the uh, the some of the other games that I played were uh, things that have come out. Um, one that I hadn't had a chance to play before that I own. I played Lisboa, the Vital Lacerda game, Lisboa, which yeah. came out earlier this yeah. year. Uh, I played it, fantastic. I can't recommend it enough. I can't wait to find somebody to play more with it. It's a little heavy for my normal gaming group, but oh my goodness gracious! And you know, and I love, I love how Vitalis said, "Oh, it's an easy game. You play a card. You pick up a card. Yeah, it's not that easy." <laughs> yeah, Twilight Struggle is a simple
1: game. You pick. Uh, yeah, <laughs> the, um
0: the like Lisboa has
1: got the most. Uh, I don't know, it's got the most unusual artwork, the colours are like this strange kind of playing card pastel colour thing, is it's just bizarre
0: well it's not and, and, um, and one of the things that I loved uh, one of the things I really love about Lisboa is that it really is immersing you into 1700s Lisbon and Lisbon is known for these blue tiles and so the mm. Irish the Irish Uh, artist, uh, Ian O'Toole, who now lives in, I guess, Australia now, Uh, because anybody who's, you know, a a brilliant uh, Irish uh, either writer or, or artist that leaves at some point... Yeah, except for Bono yes yeah. Yeah, for Bono but they, well, we're trying to get him to leave right uh, but uh, he was actually doing it in the style of the blue tiles of Lisbon of that time I got you. the the other cool thing is in each one of the cards when you're doing something it's actually telling you about an event that was important in Lisbon during that time and so there's a lot going on there and, and the, the flavor text is just great and it's really immersive even though you have little cubes the cubes actually mean something and it's it's very very well done the other game that i played half of uh is a game that came out last year by gmt games called falling sky the gaelic revolt yes, yes, against yes, 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 caesar gmt or, yeah, yeah yeah. gmt so um i was that that there's a little story behind this it was about eight thirty at night and one of my one of my british friends said hey uh someone's going to teach us uh falling sky are you interested and i'm like sure i had no idea it was a gmt game mm-hmm. i had no idea what it was about i'm like "Yay! Yeah, hey, i'll play a game it doesn't matter and that's actually one of the nice things about bgg con is it's like hey you want to play a game sure what's the game so um but I didn't realize it was a GMT game, and I didn't realize that it was essentially a game playing. It's like playing a game through a graduate-level history course about the Gaelic revolt against Caesar. Um, the manuals were thick. The play, once I got it, I under, you know, it became mm. a little bit mm. faster. But we played the shortest scenario, and, it, and my brain turned off at about 11 o'clock at night. Okay. Because I had been up since, you know, 6 in the morning. Mm-hmm. And we had only gotten halfway through. We had oh, gone wow. basically two, two hours of playtime after about an hour worth of explanation. Took phenomenally long to, put, you know, to set up. Um, let me rephrase. This is a great war game. Mm. Don't get me wrong. I really like it. Uh, like Lisboa, the text cards that allow you to do certain actions should you want to do them really give you a sense of what's going on at that time so as you read them you get really a better understanding of all these different groups but it's a it's not a game to start at 9 p.m at night unless you're no, an absolute no, 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 no. Uh, an absolute masochist yeah. and so uh, great game highly recommended especially if you're into war games and especially if you like history Keep it, but understand you will be playing for four hours. Yeah, no, I, I'm looking at the pictures of it there, and uh, it was on my radar. I love GMT
1: games. It looks a little bit like, um, you know, like, like a lot of the other ones, like a distant plane, and you know, Fire in the lake. With a, uh, I could be doing a disservice. It looks more complex, and they're complex games to me, anyway. Um, but massively it's enjoyable. He- like
0: no, no, it's a it's a heavy game, um, but and it's and it's based on the coin system that yep. GMT likes. So uh, I really, really liked it. And then I played a couple of games that were kind of expansions. Uh, I played the new Egyptus mm. map for Concordia. Wow, that was so good. And then I mulled it. from. So someone muled it. So my British friend mulled it from uh, Essen to BGGCon. We, we opened it up, played the game. And then she sent it as a present to a friend of hers in Wisconsin Uh Without telling him that he was getting it and that it was, but I was. But as she did me a favor for bringing over the Lorenzo El Magnifico expansion, which I have played and it's really good, uh, I felt I was like, oh, I don't want to send this. I don't want to send this. I want to <laughs> keep it for myself. But I yeah. sent it. He got it the day after American Thanksgiving. He was he was so happy. It's got a couple of really cool mechanics. Um, I don't know if you've played, have you played Concordia?
1: I haven't, and it's been recommended to me a few times. I, I, I've actually been, of late, I, I've been very kind of well-behaved and I've been working on um, playing some of the games that uh, you know I have on my shelf that haven't been played. And I'm, I'm kind of laughing a little bit uh, um, at the whole thing of, of running in like it, it, it and grabbing some new games because it's pointless for me. Because they they just have to get in line, <laughs> you know. So any new <laughs> releases. I mean, I've had. Um, geez, it's it's over a year since uh, Great Western Trails came Trail. out, and it's still in the wrapper and hasn't been played. All
0: right. Well, yeah. if I if if I if I get to Navecon, I'll I will teach show you. Yeah. teach you and play it. Yeah. Great game. Three hours. So and then the other game that I uh, I played and then decided to purchase on the spot was Gentis. Oh, okay. What's that? I haven't. Uh, Gentis. Okay, so Gentis is a Spielworks game that came out, I believe, this year. Uh, Yeah, it came out this year. Uh, You are basically developing a civilization. The artwork is very um, primitive in the sense of... It's beautiful, but it's primitive in the sense of you're dealing with primitive people. Mm. And you're trying to set up cities and culture and things like that. Um, It is a pure... It is a true Euro game, but oh my goodness gracious, the way it interacts with everything... Uh, very, very good. Um, there's some very good uh, online teaching games of it. It runs a, runs about 90 minutes uh, realistically with new players. it will probably run you closer to two hours. Hmm. Uh, really good choices. It plays over six rounds and as you do things, uh, basically you only have so much time to get certain things done, whether you build up your cities, whether you hire more workers, whether you build up an army. And and you're placing cities, and once you place a city, nobody else can place a city there. So you know there's some area control aspects of it. It is a euro in the sense of that you can't directly attack someone, okay. but but you can um, but you can block them off their avenues of escape. Okay. and so uh, excellent game. So you want should I talk about the dogs? I was hoping you would. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the dogs, you say? Yes, yes. Tell me more. Yeah.
0: Okay. So the the biggest disappointment, frankly, for me, is, and I'm a fan of Orleans, mm. and I, I I do love bag building games. Um, I happen to be, uh, I happen to be one of those people who really likes um, automobiles uh, by AEG Games, which mm. is a racing bag building game. Okay. I truly enjoy it. Um, you know, and, and here we have a Reiner Stockhausen game, the same guy who did Orleans. He's making this Altiplano, which has worker placement, which is another me- mechanism I absolutely love. It's centered in, you know, the the theme is kind of Mayan and or the, the Andes. Uh, so I thought, oh, I'm going to really like this game. I sat down, I started to play it, and I'm going, oh, my God, I really don't like this game. <laughs> and so... It's a bag-building game. Um, you're basically trying to get the most expensive resources, and you put them in the bag. But then, the really expensive resources that you can't really use later. You want to put it into a warehouse, but then you have to move your worker to a warehouse action.
1: Okay.
0: And you can only move if you have a, a, a you have a wagon. But if you get other wagons, you can move further. But you can only move further if you have food. And so, okay. and 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 it was and you have some weird combinations like if you have an alpaca and food tokens together it'll get you a new food token now why would you go to an alpaca farm with food to get another food unless you're killing off the poor alpaca i i I just it was very strange and and it didn't click for me in any way and a lot of and the other pieces are there there are other resources that you need to be able to really score well like the coca bean like um uh this special water i guess bubbling water i don't know Mm -hmm. it's this water pitcher and it was really weird that water pitcher would be worth so many points. Uh, maybe they have poor water systems in the uh, the the Andes. Um, but you couldn't get it unless you had these special boards that you could buy. But there were only so many of them, and so you could get selected out, and you'd be kind of stuck. There were other ways of doing it, but it really, it really forced you to have to do more bag management. But you're thinking, if you're so relying, say, on coca beans to do all these other things then there should be more opportunities to be able to do it. Maybe it's expensive to do it, but you should have more opportunities to do it. And I just did not click for me. So uh, I played a four-
1: You po- sound more and more like Marx Brothers Day at the Races where you need the code yeah, book little- <laughs> and you need this to, to decode this and, and so on. Exactly.
0: Yeah. yeah, Yeah. you need to decode this, but you can't get the code book, yeah. right? Yeah. So it's like uh, there were kind of times where I'm like, I have nothing I can actively do to make my situation better because everything has been selected away from me. Yeah.
1: No, I can't like the 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 thing about any given game is um like I would kind of class certain games as racetrack games as in so far as you know, if you race on a track, you learn the corners after a while and after a certain amount of time the course becomes second nature to you and you 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 know, you learn something like through the ages where, you know, you start out and you're learning the game, then after a dozen games or so you're learning to kind of get a little bit quicker or shave a little bit of time off this and you know or get a couple more points in or how important is and you're building it up but you know you're talking about you know when a game takes you know half a dozen games before it starts to make sense then i you know that that's not for me um i think it's a flaw in a game if it if it doesn't make sense kind of within one game um like if you have to, to kind of invest it's it's like the whole thing of um is that tv series good well yeah it gets really good by series three so stick with it <laughs> you know, Like, actually no, i won't <laughs> you know i'd prefer if it was good all the way through Um there's some interesting stuff there the the one thing i i, I noticed and, I, and while you were chatting i was i was looking up the games and so on one thing that i don't know why it should but some of these games, especially the Euro games, have so many pieces. They take up so much yeah. real estate. Neck that kills me. And- well,
0: I will, I, will, I will tell you that Azul takes up not that much space. Mm. Um, Altiplano takes up, uh, I would say, a normal amount of space. Lisboa is a big game. Yeah. That takes up a lot of space. Um, the other two, uh, Concordia is a normal... I would say that's normal size. It's not that big. Mm. Um, I will tell you that uh, Falling Sky that was a lot of real estate uh what were some other big oh you know and and i played a game of king domino i mean that doesn't take up much space it's a lot of fun uh i the other two games by the way that i want to talk about that were really disappointing one everybody was talking about which was the feld game merlin so merlin so merlin is a uh worker placement uh roll-the-dice-and-move kind of game. So you roll three dice, hmm. uh, four dice, actually, one of which is Merlin himself, and then you move the number of spaces on the, uh, you know, the number of pips on the die, and then you do whatever the action is. You can you can only move one way for your characters, which was clockwise, and Merlin can move both clockwise and counterclockwise. Um, it's a Ste- Steffenfeld game, which means point salad galore, um, and... This no, I'm not a big Feld fan to begin with. Mm. Just I mean, I like Trajan. I like the mechanic of Trajan. I do like Bora Bora. I felt, you know, Aquasphere was interesting, uh, mostly because of the components and, and his one attempt to have a real theme. And then we have Merlin. And Merlin was just. I don't like roll and move games to begin with yeah. without a trip a tremendous amount of, of uh, dime manipulation got paper, uh, possibilities, and there just wasn't, and he was doing a lot of things, I understand why he was doing them, um, and we played the full game, although at the end of the, I guess it was the end of the second to last round, uh, we were, you know, I was talking to these other, the, the, and it was just one of these people said, hey, you know, they had assigned players wanted, so I said, oh look, I'll, I'll give Merlin a shot, so I just sat, you know, sat down, and they were like, "Oh, this." We were all like, "You know what? We're gonna play this to the end, so that we say we've completed it." But no one felt the urge to play this again. Right. It was really disappointing. Um, you know, basically, you move around and you're putting. And and I won the game, and I'm like, I have no desire to ever play this game again. Yeah. In fact, it ranks so low on my list that if someone said, "Hey, you know," normally there are games like you know I won't put out or I won't suggest. But if someone says, "Hey, Phil, would you like to play?" Apps, you know, like yeah, sure. You know, I, I don't mind spending two hours playing it. It's not a game that I would actively go out. Or if it's the right group of people, if, if it's a game that you know isn't that great, but I like the people and I'd hang out, and the game is good enough hmm. that I'll that it's worth my investment in playing it and hanging out with these people. Absolutely, I will do it. This was neither. This is a game where I would like, you know, what you guys enjoy. I'll go, f- you know, I'll go find a <laughs> game of cards again, against <laughs> or play cards against humanity, something. But I'm not playing this game. The last game that I played that was, uh, you know, just pulled it off. The pulled it off because it had a theme that I has a theme that I personally like. And the game was nineteen twenty Wall Street. Okay. And you know, as, as for people who don't know, uh, I used to work in Wall Street uh, in the the type of securities that brought down the uh, the the United States economy. Uh, and I have an economics degree. And so I like economic games. I like games about capital markets. Uh, this game is really uh, more of a set collection game. Um, it's basically 1920s Wall Street where you're trying to get money before uh, the pers- there was a, uh, a terrorist attack on Wall Street because, you know, greedy bankers type of issue. Mm. Where someone threw dynamite and killed people and so forth. It uh this game is designed by and I'm gonna get his name long, Pepero Little uh by Looping and it's being produced by Looping Games. Significant. I mean, once we figured out what was going on, it was like it's an okay game, but the the rule book was horrible. Okay. It looks like someone had done Go Google Translate from whatever <laughs> language it was originally done in. And, and there were aspects of it that you couldn't figure out. So you're basically moving around Wall Street. You can either go right or left. Mm-hmm. And you have so much capital and then you have money. What the rule book doesn't say is that you use up the capital before you need to use up the money. There are certain cases where you have to use up money and then you have to get more money. And, and there are ways of doing it by selling stocks. And you get points by stocks going up and down. And you have to hold a certain amount of those stocks for that particular stock to score. So, for instance, in oil, you need three stock certificates for your oil stocks to score. So you're trying to get stocks that are going to score you the most points, and you're trying to have enough of them so that you can score them. Um, there are some interesting decisions, but it was it took us a it took us 45 minutes, and it's not a big rule book. It took us about 45 to 60 minutes just to figure out what the rules were trying to get out in a couple of rounds of play okay. before we even got it, and it's a 45 minute game. Okay, okay. So worth it though. It, I'm sorry. Worth um. It? I don't know, you know what, it's one of those games that I would need to play it again yeah. a couple... Now that I understand it, I'd need to play it a couple times to see if I really liked it. Uh, it's got a 6.9 rating on BGG. Uh, I don't know if it'll ever be available in the United States. Uh, if it is, unless the price point's sub-$20, I can't see myself buying this game.
1: It's interesting, actually, now, you mentioned, it being from Europe, the, um, like, is there quite a few games that don't make it from Europe over there, is this a case that they just come late leave,
0: like, you know? Uh, it depends on the game. Hmm. Um, I mean, there are games that you can, that are very, very difficult or impossible to find in the United States. I mean, Lorenzo il Magnifico, which had been out in Europe for a couple of years, was not available until uh, earlier this year when Simon Games decided to bring it out. Which is kind of odd because Simon likes dudes on a map; they don't really yeah, like sure. drier euros. Yeah. Uh, and and so. It's been one of those things where um, you know some of the splatter games have had a hard time getting over here. Uh, some of the um, uh, some Spielworks games have had a hard time getting over here. It's not always a slam dunk. And then and for instance, one game that you know a lot of people want is available in Europe, but not available in the United States due to bankruptcy reasons. Uh, Glory to Rome. Okay. You can't buy. You can't buy it in the United States because you know, uh, because of that really horribly failed uh, Kickstarter. And, you know, and and Ed Carter basically lost the rights. And so no one can, no one can publish it in the United States. It can be published in France. It can be published in in some other countries, but not in the United States. So it's just one of those weird things. I mean, it's a great game, but you, you can't get access to it.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I I think I might have actually played that at some stage, but um, it didn't didn't stick in my head. But uh, so there you go. That's uh, that's that's quite a bit of gaming you did in the last while. Are you burnt out from
0: it, or are you eager for more? No. Nah. Uh, I'm, I'm a drug addict when it comes to tabletops. Just give me more. Just wave it in. I'm, I'm, sentence, yeah, the, uh, yeah um, I just, I, was just I, I mean I couldn't play a game over Thanksgiving because uh, well actually no I played five games of. I played five games of Code Names. Hmm. I played two games of Bananagrams. Okay. And I played. Uh... Oh, I can't remember the name of the game, but you have to guess the word, and it has a buzzer. Oh. Uh, whatever. It sounds it's like it. It's one of those.
1: Possibly by GMT. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Exactly. That's totally a GMT game. Yeah, it sounds like it.
1: I got to uh, actually got a few interesting games in there. Recently, we played Godfather again and uh oh. it's a really good game it's a really good game it's um like i had kind of figured it was a little bit like lords of waterdeep and so on and i actually won it which was shocking um <laughs> by something like two dollars so it was a really good close game and even at the end of it i didn't realize i had it won until the last count so that was very good and then yes they play recently um played more of and i'm totally addicted to it is um what's it called uh mansions of madness second oh yeah it's a
0: good game yeah it's
1: really good and i'm very unusually uh i'm running out of scenarios in it which you know for for my gaming group is incredible because we normally you know two games it's a campaign you know three games <laughs> wait till you like get a legendary campaign and we've played you know three or four games of this and we're still eager to play more so it it's,
0: it just goes to show the uh, I'm waiting I'm waiting for Gloomhaven that will be my uh my game of playing multiple times in a row I think
1: you kind of need to if you're going to invest Gloomhaven like it's uh, all I, all I see in BGG is pictures of it and it's it's an enormous game that the um uh, but there there seems to be this whole thing of bigger and more expensive games like the, the whole kind of $50 or 50 euro mark for a game has gone totally out the window now um, yeah. and stuff just seems to kind of get bigger and bigger, but look, you know, it's all good. And um, they're obviously hitting markets and you know, people are buying this stuff. Um, anything else to add to it there, Philip? I think we've gone over a half hour and
0: people are probably, yeah. So just really quickly, one of the things that, uh, was a big topic at BGG con and, um, if, you are at all invested in the gaming industry, you probably heard about this, was the fact that uh, the people who run PAX, which is a yes. video gaming uh, conference, decided they wanted to run a tabletop conference. And so uh, they threw good money, which they have at it. Uh, they, they held it in Philadelphia on the very same weekend as BGGCon. Um, if I had known that about it earlier, I probably would have gone because my daughter lives in Philadelphia and I would have saved on the hotel room and what so it it actually changed the tenor of BGGCon. okay it became it became a little bit less commercial although it still had a ton of vendors there although some vendors only sent you know a token person there just to to keep the lights on as it mm. were and it was more about the people and more about just having fun and gaming it was a lot less stressful it was a lot calmer and I enjoyed the hell out of it. Uh, once, you know, I had the family stuff on 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 Wednesday and Thursday, kind of. gone out Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I had a blast. I played a ton of games. Uh, I had a good time. It was the first time in BGG Con. Well, my first time in BGG Con, I didn't ha- wasn't playing with a jerk. I mean, outside of myself, of course. <laughs> yeah,
1: but present company it. Except President company
0: accepted yeah, yeah, but it it was just kind of a a more low key, less stressful, less chaotic. Uh, event and I really enjoyed that. Uh, I will say that you know Eagle uh, Griffin Games only sent one guy. They were demoing their upcoming Kickstarter Scarlet Pimpernel, which yeah. which looks interesting, and it also art by Ian O'Toole, the same guy who did Lisboa and Nemo's War. Uh, and if you showed up to their booth, you got uh, either a highlights a baseball highlights twenty forty five promo or a Lisboa promo of the heavy cardboard Davis the Elephant. So it's, it, was, uh, it was very interesting because it had just a very different vibe because a lot of these publishers had to split, mm. uh, split their forces. Now, I will say that uh, the publishers gave PAX, the people at PAX, uh, uh, an appropriate level of hell over this. Mm. And, ne- and next year, um, BGGCon again will be the weekend before American Thanksgiving. And PAX Unplugged will be the weekend after the American Thanksgiving. So, so they won't make that makes they won't make and so Pax unplug will kind of become will kind of move from BGG PAX unplug will be kind of the end of the con season uh, as it stands so that was kind of the last thing overall great time uh, you know now that I've been there seven some odd years now that you know I'm a, I'm an, I work well I'm an administrator at the board game group on Facebook hmm. I now have a lot of friends and so every year I'm going I'm having fun having a good time i'm meeting the people i want to meet you know i have my kind of routine that i'm going to do i'm going to wake up early i'm going to hit the hot tables i'm going to play the games that i may want to buy maybe not and then just and then just enjoy the rest of the day and you know and not plan too much so that i have games to play so that it was a good time and i I highly recommend it but it is difficult to get tickets
1: okay yeah
0: until until 2019 then it should be much easier i book them in advance yes (laughs) at the yes <laughs> unlike navecon where you can just walk in and your bermuda you oh, yeah, no, know, no, I'm speed it's us security
1: now, there's, uh, there's <laughs> been too much um, you know too many people know about us it's it's, uh, <laughs> it's 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 kind of you know it's it's gone beyond just a, a group of friends now at this stage it's it's become a lot bigger but it still seems to have the same vibe so you know uh, that's okay too. And- the, um, until you go corporate yeah well that's exactly <laughs> it yeah we will need to get some people with you know with financial knowledge and bring them in to ruin everything the um tell me like me the, um, like me yeah. <laughs> that's what i was thinking um okay listen we've talked for a good 40 minutes um which is very easy to do as we're talking about games uh, I'm going to wrap it at that. I don't have a whole lot more to add unless we want to start another episode. Um,
0: nah, oh. let's 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 call it quits and give our, our listeners a break. Sounds like a plan.
1: It's been good talking to you as always, Philip.
0: And uh, as a pleasure is all mine.
1: Okay. Take care. Good talking. All right. Happy gaming. All right. Bye bye. You too. Bye bye.